Eagles Entertainment. Welcome, Eagles, everywhere to the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. I'm here at the Novacare Complex. It's Wednesday late, and uh, we're in a very emotional time here at the Novacare Complex, as is every site where NFL teams are housed, and certainly everyone has their thoughts and their prayers and their best wishes going out to Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin, who went into cardiac arrest on Monday during the Monday Night Football game against the Cincinnati Bengals. He's been in critical condition all week. He's hospitalized. There seems to be some progress. Uh, an incredibly scary, scary moment as Hamlin went down after making a routine tackle. So let's start this Eagles Insider podcast with that reaction on Wednesday, the Eagles came back into the Novacare complex. The Eagles canceling press conferences and no content, no no reporting on Tuesday. That was kind of the way it was throughout the league as everyone so concerned with Hamlin. That was the story in the league. On Wednesday, the players coming back, going through a walkthrough practice. And as the media went into the locker room, obviously one of the topics of conversation was Hamlin's injury. And Fletcher Cox, one of the captains of this football team, a veteran here, defensive tackle, knows how physical and violent this game is. And that is what he articulated talking about the player reaction to the Hamlin injury. What happened to that young man was, you know, it's very eye-opening to a lot of us. Uh, and, you know, know we, that every day that uh, I think for us in you know, every game, every practice, um, you know, we play a violent sport. And, you know, we take a, uh, you know, we put our bodies on the line. I don't think a lot of people really, really realize that, you know, until that, until we get in a situation like what happened to that young man. And, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing is, man, it's, it's scary. It's eye-opening. Um, it's sad. Uh, and, you know, we're all praying for him. Um, and, you know, you know, you get a lot, I got a lot of texts from people. Hey, man, you know, are you okay? And, you know, just basically check it in. I mean, I think everybody is to everybody in this locker room, everybody around the league is uh, very eye-opening. And uh, like you said, it's, it's, it's always hard to go out and, and try to do your job knowing that um, something like that just happened. And so players have to balance the inherent risk of playing this very physical game with the fact that it is their jobs. This is how they support their families. Every week they suit up knowing what they signed up for. That is the message here from linebacker Hassan Reddick. It's one of those things where, you know, you pray for the, you, you pray for DeMar, you pray for the kid, man, and, and hope that he's fine. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, 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 we still, other players, we still have a job, right? You know, it's the way that a lot of us provide for our family. So it's, it's about understanding what happened, you know, trying to handle and cope with the situation in whichever way you can, um, but understanding that it's still it's still a job to go and do uh, come game day. Reddick also very aware of what Sunday's game against the New York Giants means. A Philadelphia win or tie secures the Eagles the number one seed in the NFC playoffs. A bye week during wild card weekend, a franchise record 14th win, the NFC East title, and the opportunity to host the conference playoffs at Lincoln Financial Field. So yeah, says Reddick, Sunday is a big one. We just got to go out there and get it done at the end of the day. Um, 
I, I said it before, everybody knows the importance of this game. It's the last game of the season, number one, and we know the importance of it. Uh, but it's about just taking the same approach as you did, the, you know, the first 17 weeks and, you know, making sure that you don't do anything character uncharacteristic because we, you know, we, we want this W to lock up the number one seed. It's about being more detailed and having more focus than, you know, than we did before. So that way we can accomplish the goal. Each man doing his job at the end of the day um, and, and doing what, you know, what he's supposed to do to help the team win. Head coach Nick Sirianni was asked about the idea of kind of getting the players fired up to play again and understanding just how dangerous this sport is. Here's what Sirianni had to say at his Wednesday press conference when asked that question. You know, and he said, basically, look, players need to know that people here care deeply about them. There are resources here to help any players who need to get through this moment. But yes, there are risks involved with playing in the NFL. Yeah, um, you know, anytime there's a situation outside of our building that re- requires, uh, you know, discussion, we definitely do that. That's that's kind of our standard operating procedure here, and we, we did the same thing uh, today. I won't get into the, the conversation, but you know, in the major specifics, but really just want everyone to know that they got a lot of people that, that care for them in this building and that, you know, the, the relationships, like this is why, this is one of the reasons why you build the relationships. So um, the people that are hurting from this can, can come talk to the people they need to. Um, and then obviously we just all feel for DeMar and his family and, and just praying for a speedy recovery. All right, so there is that, and that is the reality. That is far more important than, obviously, a win or a loss. But it is also important for the Eagles to play well on Sunday after two losses, one to Dallas and then one this past Sunday to the New Orleans Saints. Now, as we record this, we're not sure who's going to be the quarterback. Jalen Hurts, there's hope for sure. Uh, He was a limited participant in Wednesday's walkthrough practice. The anticipation is that he'll ramp up his activity throughout the week. He hasn't played since that December 18th win over the Chicago Bears. He suffered a shoulder injury, a sprained right shoulder. So uh, Hertz continues to work hard to get back in the lineup. The offense really struggled without him on Sunday against the Saints. All right, in this Eagles Insider Podcast, we're going to take our first look at the New Orleans Saints. We're going to have our exclusive one-on-one in-studio interview with head coach Nick Sirianni. First, let's meet one of the really pleasant surprises of this season. He was one of three non-drafted players to make the 53-man roster. He played five seasons at Middle Tennessee State, and now he's been a starter. He's played more than 200 snaps, and he's played very good football for the Eagles. Reed Blankenship is just one of those guys who... Looks like a football player, acts like a football player, loves the game, and he's been really good for the Eagles. So without further ado, let's meet Eagles rookie safety, Reed Blankenship, one-on-one. Please now to be joined on the Eagles Insider Podcast by Eagles safety, Reed Blankenship. Um, how are you today? Great. Yeah? Yep. Yeah, it's great. It's great to be in the <laughs> NFL, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's a dream come true. You know, I enjoy being here. So, Did you, did you visualize what it would be like? Honestly, uh, yeah, a little bit. You know, I have some friends that are in the league, and they say, you know, be prepared for everything. Um, be prepared for everybody. Be a little bit selfish. But luckily enough, you know, this team is 
not selfish at all. You know, I, it's a family environment, so I, I'm proud I'm here. So selfish means, um, hey, Rook, you're not coming here to take my job. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you haven't found that to be the case. The last time we spoke really at length, I mean, we did interviews at your locker, but mm-hmm. the one that I really, I, I remember really when I met you, because in training camp, preseason, Reed Blankenship was, we all knew that you had a chance to make the team. Mm-hmm. And then I really didn't speak to you until you made the team and you related to me how um, that Tuesday you didn't get a call and you were freaking out because you didn't get a call. Yeah. You know, you, you think you expect a call, you know, whether you make it or not, but apparently it's, it's a good thing if you don't get a call. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, what has been the biggest adjustment for you, Reed? And, and how, I don't know, are you, are you pleased, surprised, um, non-phased, uh, not thinking about the fact that you've paid, played more than 200 snaps and you're starting at safety for the, a 13 and three football team? You know, I try not to think about that. You know, like you said, I try to stay unfazed by it. Um, can't let all the distractions come into your head. I just try to do my job and what I'm coached to do, and I, I know i got guys around me that I can ask questions to, and that's what makes me confident. I feel like you're an All-American football boy. Like, if I were if I were to draw up, like, the quintessential <laughs> guy, like, you played foot, you, I'm sure you loved football from a very early age, right? Mm-hmm. Like, when did, when did you fall in love with the game? Actually, I, I started playing my third grade year, but I didn't start – I didn't start back until middle school. Why? Uh, honestly, I, I really don't know. Baseball was really a big part of my life. So, like, I, I did all-star, travel, all up to, I guess, my ninth grade year, and I was just burned out. And I got into football again, and I, I loved it. I was like, why haven't I not played this sport my entire life? But I've always liked college football. Um, I grew up in Alabama, and Alabama was my team. So, loved watching them play, loved – you know, every Saturday throwing the football with my dad in the yard at halftime and all that. That's what that's what we did. But uh, you know, just growing up watching that, you know, it inspired me to continue my dreams. So. Was your dream to get? Uh, did, did you get recruited by Alabama at all? I didn't. I didn't. Was but it heartbreaking for you? It was. You know, it was kind of slap in the face. But it is what it is. Um, I'm not, you know, looking back at that and frowning upon it. But I went to MT. You know, had the time of my life. So. Five years at Middle Tennessee State, um, multiple years, captain, great career. Um, tell me about the career, and, and you stayed that extra year for COVID. I don't, I don't, I haven't heard the story why. I heard it's kind of a funny story. It, it is. It's kind of funny. Um, I guess it's kind of long too. But go ahead. We have plenty of time. Reed. <laughs> All right. Anyways, so <laughs> in 2019, I had a season-ending injury. Yep. Game seven, and you know, I, I was I was down. Um, never had that sort of traumatic experience with an injury. And going to 2020, this went off, this COVID happened. So our spring break was, I, I guess, the beginning of March. And that's when COVID hit the U.S. and it started to, you know, increase. But uh, we went home and we never came back. And so everything around us was shut down. Um, I pretty much had to do treatment on my own. Oh no! And so mentally, I wasn't. It was, it was mentally. I was. I was. I wouldn't say depressed, but I, I was down in the dumps. And when I came back in the summer, you know, I was like, okay. I'm gonna get right to it. I'm, I'm not gonna skip a beat. Well, unfortunately, we had to do COVID tests and all that. My roommates end up getting COVID, and so just to shorten all this story down, I was quarantined for like 42 consecutive days, and so my first real practice slash game time experience was when I dressed up to play army. Like before that I was watching meetings on zoom. Like I had no like live practice reps. So <sighs> mentally I was, I was down. Um, 
I was just trying to find myself that whole year. And especially not knowing if you were going to play that week really just, you know, it, it just killed the whole football atmosphere. You know, I didn't really enjoy it. So I told myself, I said, look, like you got to come back and you got to prove to everybody that you're who you were and you got to go to work. So how did you get, first of all, 42 days of quarantine, describe what quarantine <laughs> was for you. So I was, I was at the house, um, with all my roommates. So it wasn't like I was just isolated from everybody, but you know, you're sitting there thinking and looking on Twitter. Twitter was the worst. It is app. always you the know, worst. It was the worst app to look mm-hmm. at during this time and seeing like all these, you know, the power five schools not knowing if they're going to play or not. He's like, should I play? Should I put my, you know, self at that risk? But, uh, you know, I pushed through it. We all got through it. And I told myself, like I said, I, you got to come back and show Everybody that you can play. With retrospect, how has it helped shape you? I mean, look, you come into the league, you're not drafted. Uh, the Eagles are extremely talented. I'm mm-hmm. sure you'd recognize right. that the no, minute you walked into the building. Hard. It's not hard. You're like well, looking around going, geez, how am I going to fit in here? Do you think that that experience in college helped you um, just prepare for this this um, very isolated world mm-hmm. of the NFL? I would say it had some sort of... Uh, you know, it, it it did help me a lot, um, especially how I was raised too. My my family and all the people back home, my support system. You know, just how they just keep you humble, and how I was always taught to stay humble, and I always have a chip on your shoulder because you're not going to get handed stuff to you every day, and that's how I want to play. Like I play like it's my last, and yeah. I, I try to give it my all. So that's why I that's why I kind of look at you in the conversations that we've had and the story that you that you bring to the table. You're like you are like a quintessential young guy who loves mm-hmm. playing football, goes through it, climbs the ladder, makes the team. Um, nobody really thinks about Reed Blankenship. And then all of a sudden you're thrown into a, a primetime mm-hmm. game and you got to make a play. Right. And you did. Mm-hmm. And here we are yeah. weeks later and you're starting and you're mm-hmm. playing great football. What has the journey been like this year? Like I said, it's been a dream come true. Even when at the beginning of the year, even when I found out I made the team, you know, it was, it was, I was blessed to have the opportunity to come and play and, you know, once I started playing special teams and stuff, I told myself that this is your opportunity to, you know, get on the field, show what you're about. And then when my opportunity did come um, defense, you know, I was like, well, it's, it's your chance. You know, just don't overthink. Just play football like you've always been playing football. Were you um, peeved that you didn't get drafted? You know, yeah, everybody, everybody wants to be drafted. You know, that's, that's your dream. But did you make a draft? Did you have a draft party or draft? It was a little small party, you know, just my friends and family. But, uh, you know, we all knew that it was either day three you're going to be undrafted. And, you know, just knowing that I just knowing that I had faith in my agent to he told me, like, you're going to be on the team regardless. I was like, OK, I, I trust in you that we're going to get this done. And fortunate enough that I landed here. So. Tell, tell me what that's like. Um, we always talk about it from the team side. The draft is coming to an end. There's many picks left. Mm-hmm. The phone calls are made. It's really, you know, we've got to get, we've got to make our sales pitch. We got to get. Mm-hmm. From your standpoint, are you kind of shielded from that by your agent, or are were you an active participant in that? No, I, it, they all went through my agent. Thank goodness, because I've been stressed out. I'm, I tend to worry a little bit, but uh, no, they, they, everybody went through him. So, all right, Reed, let's talk about success and and why <clears throat> this is working for you. Um, uh, look, you have the, the great first game against the Packers. Uh, then teams are going to look and find your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, I, I don't know, you tell me, have teams found your weaknesses? Are you are you playing well? Yeah, I feel like I'm playing well enough for them to keep me on the field. Um, like I said, I do what I'm 
coached to do, and then I play hard. I play as hard as I can. So, What are you coached to do in this defense? What are the responsibilities? Just, you know, protect the corners, um, you know, protect seams, you know, simple stuff like that. Nothing nothing major, but uh, I don't want to get into too much detail with our – I mean, yeah, no, no, people no. know, but, you know, just play confident in yourself and just play. But the rule, the, the rules of the game have changed for safeties over the years. You're not – there's not an in-the-box safety kind right, of thing. Right, right. You know, that's something that I had to, you know – transform myself into as a deep guy like in college I played like 12 yards off the line of scrimmage and I was downhill so I guess that's kind of what hurts me a little bit I tend to get too aggressive on some stuff just because I see ball I want to get ball mm -hmm. but uh you know that's one thing that I had to improve my game on too so. uh the, the relationship with the veterans in the secondary what's that been like for you and how instrumental has it been for you with Marcus and with Slay and with James mm -hmm. and with everybody Avante everybody who's helping Kayvon who's helping mm -hmm. you become right. a great player you know I'm blessed to be in this room you know like I said you think guys are selfish but this group of guys they're not there's no sorts of self selfishness in this team and you know coming from Slay and then James and then especially Marcus he's helped me tremendously and you know, I, he helps me on the field and off the field. And, like, if I have any sort of questions, like, I can go up to him and ask him. You know, I try to have fun with him. Like, we try to be, like, best friends and stuff. And especially, like, Kayvon, too. He's always supporting me, like, no matter what. And so that's, that's what really, you know, keeps me motivated. A rookie season can go by very quickly, but most players, they kind of, it's like a blur. Like, everything's stopping mm -hmm. so fast. What's it, has it slowed? Has everything slowed down? No, it's it's crazy how fast this season's going. Like, I, I can't believe it's already January. Like, I, I didn't even realize it was Christmas, you know, not <laughs> too long ago. You know, it's, it's weird, but it's crazy how fast this thing goes. What's the key to keeping your head above water then? You know, just keep that same mindset like you got to prove something um you, you you're not here you can't get too comfortable um that's what I've always been told always have that chip on your shoulder and show up to work yeah you know? uh, do, you, do you are you a natural leader Reed I I think I, I am especially like I don't like to come in and try to step on anybody's toes at all like first I've always told myself that I got to follow before I lead and you know especially MT like I had to follow before I led and once I started leading I realize that these guys are starting to listen to me. So that's what I'm, I'm doing here. I'm, I'm following all these guys. Everybody in front of me has a lot of experience, so I'm not going to try and come in and point fingers and tell everybody what to do. So Where is that interception ball now? It's at home. And at is home. it, like, prominently displayed? If we walk into the Reed Blankenship <laughs> home, is there, like, a man cave in the, at not, the, greeting not, us? Not yet, but it's, it'll, it'll, be, it'll probably be soon uh, – somewhere probably on the mantle somewhere who's your i remember we did talk after the interception and that was the game that i guess your mom was sick and your parents weren't able to make mm -hmm. the game um what kind of support system have you had this year have they oh, been able to come in and they have they was that they've been to multiple games actually and especially like people back home is, is crazy you know i come from a small town so you hear like my name or my parents name everybody knows who they're talking about and that's why I'm so blessed to have that type of support system that just keeps me motivated here because I have a lot of little kids back home like looking up to me, especially when I go back and try to do little football camps. Like they think I'm Superman. And then, you know, I just want to show them that it's possible to, even if you live in a small town, you can do big things. That's a lot of responsibility. It is. But you like that? I, I love it. You know, just like I, I've always wanted somebody to be in the shoes I'm in, you know, to just look up to. So, um, was the most humiliating part of being an NFL player to date when you dressed up um, in pajamas and performed Christmas songs, um, which, of course, we don't publish because that's your right. private thing, but just right. we can talk about it. Um, how fun was that? Just kind of like 
getting out there and singing. Like, it's, look, back in the old days, the, the rituals were a li- little bit more severe. Right. All you're, you're doing is bringing chicken on the play, on the flight at Popeye's and, and I'm, I'm singing. happy for that. I'm so happy for that. But no, it's fun doing with all these guys. Um, the rookies that we have, are, they're fun to be around. You're an NFL player, man. I know. I know, but it's cool. It's yeah. cool. It's fun. But, I mean, look, it's, it, it's part of our rookie duty, so I'm, I'm not. That's right. Whatever, so. um, all right, so listen, uh, let's talk about Sunday. Sunday, a chance to beat the Giants, get the number one seed in the playoffs. Um, that coupled with what happened on Monday night, a lot of emotions going mm-hmm. through a locker room right now. Yeah, you know, it's it's tough saying that. And I, I sit in there, I kind of teared up watching that too. But, uh, you know, it's something I don't really – like talking about it a lot, but uh, you know, this is a serious game that we play, and like people don't realize it. And sometimes they just look at us as just you know players on the field, but we're actual human beings. And something like that happens, and you go back to reality. It's like, okay, these are these guys are just like me, and you know, it's uh, we've been praying for them. Everybody's been praying for them, and just hopefully everything turns yeah. out. Fine. And with that, there's a, there's a game that you right. have to be ready for right on Sunday. So mm-hmm. finish the season strong. Uh, and let me, let me make just a quick one on baseball. Did you burn out on it, or was it like you couldn't hit the curveball? Oh, I mean, I'm no. curious. No, I'm no, serious. I got burned. So out. I, I would imagine you were really, really good. You're a great athlete. I got burned out on it. I did. What with just traveling just, every weekend? And- yeah, it ended up being every like that's how we spent our summers, which I'm I'm fine with it. But as a little kid, you'd like to go on trips with your family and stuff. But that was our vacations at some points in the summer, and it just it just kind of, you know, not sucked, but... No, I get it, you know, man. It is I, what I it kids, is. they went through that whole... Yeah, but I'm thing. glad... People want to have fun in, in, on the weekends. Yeah, I'm glad that I, that my parents allowed me to do that, you know, and they were they were helping me enough to take me places all over the place. Can so. you give a shout-out to your parents? I'm sure that they're love, They're listening to every word, and they're loving every bit of their son being in the NFL. Yeah, shout-out to my parents, mama, daddy. I love them. Uh, keep doing what y'all doing. Um, you know, I give y'all a hard time sometimes, but, uh, you know, you know, I love y'all, so... I love it. Reed Blankenship, thanks so much. Good luck on Sunday. Beat Thank the Giants. You. Yes, sir. Thank you for joining me. All right, head coach Nick Sirianni getting the Eagles ready for the Giants, a team the Eagles defeated 48-22 to just a few weeks ago. That game at MetLife Stadium. Since then, the Giants have been good. So we'll see what's up on Sunday, and we'll find out in just a little bit here the first look about uh, the Giants from the Giants. Who are they going to play in this game? Anyway... Time to get with head coach Nick Sirianni one-on-one in the studio, our weekly exclusive for this Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. We welcome you to our weekly one-on-one with head coach Nick Sirianni presented by Wawa. We're having a catch or playing catch? <laughs> Whatever you want to say. We'll say where, we're, where are they? How you doing, coach? I'm doing good. We're all ready to go here. All right, so week 18, big one on Sunday against the Giants, a lot at stake. You know, it's interesting, leadership, you talk about it all the time. It really does manifest itself in many ways. Good times, bad times. I mean, how, how do you see it happening right now with so much on the line on Sunday? What have you seen this week? Uh, I've just seen uh, the same uh, mentality of our, our leaders on this football team. We have great leaders on this football team um, that have been there, been in, been in, been in highs, been in lows, and uh, know what it is to play in big games. And you know, and it's just and what you get from your leaders is you get that same consistency over and over and over again. Um, regardless of what scenario you're in. And so, you know, I've seen the consistency. I've seen our guys, uh, you know, uh, take responsibility, take accountability, uh, and then pick themselves back up and, uh, and, and go and, and do it again. And that's what we, we all want as a team. We take the accountability for the things that we messed up as coaches, as players, and then we, we get better from them, and then we're ready to go, uh, go again uh, the next time we're called upon. 
you think leadership is more revealing? I mean, good times, it's kind of easy to be a leader. Bad, tough times, it's a little bit more difficult. Do you feel like it manifests itself that way or does it kind of just happen? For sure. Uh, for sure. I mean, when, it, when things are going, I mean, it's, it's, it is easy to lead when things are going great. Uh, you know, and it, it's, it's, you, you see, you see, um, you know, the real, the leaders on our team really shine, uh, you know, in times of, uh, you know, in difficulty. And I think that's any leader that in times of difficulty, that's when you need the leadership, you know, m- maybe even more so than when you need it in times of, of triumph. And, uh, and again, like I said, we have no shortage of great leaders on this football team. Nick, you're an offensive coach and, and this defense has been just relentless with the pass rush. And it comes from a lot of different places, four different guys with double digit sacks. As an offensive coach, how difficult is it to kind of account for that much pressure from so many different directions? How much of a benefit is it for Jonathan and his defense? There's so many guys who get to the quarterback. Well, you can only help so many places, right? And you and you can go in and say, I'm going to help every time on Reddick, and then you're going to you're going to be look on the other side and BG or Sweat or you know Javon or Fletch or I mean anybody can Sue Al can create pressure, and so. You know, it, you can only help so many different places. So that's the first thing you look at as an offensive coach is you say to yourself, all right, what one of these DNs can beat us can, and how do we help with these guys? And, uh, you know, we're really fortunate on, on our team that we have two really good tackles and we have good backup tackles as well. Um, but, you know, you always look there and you start start off that way. And I don't know if I've ever looked at a uh, opposing defense and said, wait, how many sacks does he have? How many sacks? He, he, they, they have four guys that have 10 sacks, so that's – Really a tribute to the guys that we have, and this is what, and this is kind of like having receivers too. You can't focus in on just one guy, um, and so it just makes it more challenging for the offense. Nick, it's really funny you say that uh, because I wanted to ask about the wide receivers and this offense with AJ and Devonte, two thousand yard receivers, eighty eight catches, number one receivers. How much pressure does that put on a defense? And what's it like for you having an offense with those kind of weapons down the field? Well, very similar to an offensive coach looking at what the, a defensive end can wreck a game. Uh, a defensive coach looks in the same thing and looks at the receivers that can wreck a game. And to have two, again, you can only help so many different places, right? And so it, it naturally one guy is going to get single coverage. One guy is not going to get rolled to. Like there's a lot of different things that one guy is only not going to get doubled or, or whatever they're doing to that guy. Uh, it's just it's tough to do that uh, to two guys, and then and with those two guys, and then you mi- you mix in the other playmakers that we have, and and I'm I'm pretty sure that if if Dallas didn't miss those four games, he'd have a thousand yards as well. So um, it, it, tough to take away two guys, even harder to take away three. That guys like that. And there were questions when when AJ got here. How would they share the football? How would they share the Eagles? No problems. It looks like it's been pretty good, right? It's been great. Yeah. It's been great. Too great. <laughs> Nick, the mindset of this football team, uh, it's been an emotional week with what happened. Buffalo's safety, DeMar Hamlin with uh, coming off a tough loss, with so much at stake on Sunday. What is the mindset here of this football team? Yeah, obviously always, you know, with, with obviously what happened in Buffalo, you, you just want to be there to support your, your guys and, and have the guys support each other. And that's what you've seen um, from this team in that setting. Um, you know, because that's that's been tough. Um, you know, it's been tough for the entire NFL community, and and I know it's been tough for the Buffalo Bills, and tough for Demar and, and and his family. And obviously, our thoughts and prayers go out with them. But as far as the game, you know, it's the same as as everything. We, you know, you don't go into a game saying this is a big one. They're all big ones, right? And they're all really important to us because we want to play for each other, and we don't want to let each other down. So same mindset that it's been. Like go to work. One day at a time. Go 1-0 today so we can go 1-0 this week. Good stuff. Head coach Nick Sirianni, there's your football. 
Sunday, Eagles, Giants, Lincoln Financial Field. We thank you for joining us for our weekly one-on-one with head coach Nick Sirianni. Now it's time for our first look at the New York Giants, a team that is 9-6-1. They have played well since the Eagles walloped them at MetLife Stadium, a win over the Washington Commanders, a last-second loss to the Minnesota Vikings, and then on Sunday, the Giants clinching their first playoff berth since 2016. They just decimated the Indianapolis Colts. John Schmielk, Giants.com, joins and talks about the New York Giants who have had a resurgence in 2022. John, thanks for joining me. Uh, Last time we saw the Giants, the Eagles had their way at MetLife Stadium. We weren't really sure where the Giants were going to go from there. Uh, Where have the Giants gone? We know that the end result here is the playoffs. How did it happen? Yeah, you know, coming off that Eagles game, the Giants, you know, had a, you know, they came back. They won that must-win game the next week against Washington. Uh, they lost that game on Christmas Eve against Minnesota that, you know, was basically tied. And so Greg Joseph hit a 61-yard field goal with time expiring in regulation. And then last week they had their biggest win of the year. They defeated the Colts uh, 38-10. to uh, only win this year that they've had that's been of more than one score. So the Giants, you could argue, their offense is probably playing its best football of the year. Despite losing to Minnesota, they uh, had over 300 yards passing that game, over 400 yards of offense. So the offense is doing well. Uh, the defense played pretty well against the Colts last week. We granted it's the Colts offense, so you got to take that with a grain of salt. But right now the Giants are certainly on a better footing and playing better football right now than they were heading into that Eagles game on December 11th. And, John, it seems like, at least according to reports, that, that, I don't know, maybe there's a decision been made or you tell us Daniel Jones, is he, uh, he certainly performed this season. Great. Kudos to him for, you know, coming up big in 2022. Um, how do the Giants feel about him heading into this Week 18 game and going into the playoffs? Yeah, look, I think I think Brian Dable is a big fan of Daniel Jones. I think everyone in the building is a big fan of Daniel Jones. But he's an unrestricted free agent. And and Dave, as you all know, you know, following a league like you do, it's going to be a very, very heavy quarterback offseason in terms of change again. There's probably at least a half dozen teams, maybe more, that have no one in their room to play quarterback next year. So um, I think he's going to be in demand, but I think the Giants do want him back. So then it comes down to business, right? Uh, they can franchise tag him, which obviously is something you can do if you can't figure out a long-term deal. I think he would play on that tag. I don't know if that's what the Giants think they're going to do. They have Saquon Barkley's in it for agency as well. So they have some big decisions to make this offseason, but they do like Daniel Jones a lot, and I think they've been very impressed with his ability uh, to make the most of what he's had to deal with this year, which has been a leaky offensive line and a – carousel of wide receivers, none of which are probably better than a number two or even be a number two on most other teams in the NFL. So uh, I think Daniel Jones will be here next year. What that looks like from a business perspective, though, I think remains to be seen. Jones, talk about the draft and and the way that the Giants were able to parlay a strong couple of first-round draft picks. What impact have you seen from the draft, specifically that first round? Yeah, look, Kayvon Thibodeau's coming on. He was the Giants' uh, first pick at fifth overall, and I think the reason they picked him first is because those three offensive tackles were all still on the board. 
Uh, so they figured, let's get the pass rusher first, and we'll get whichever tackle is still there. Number seven, which ended up being Evan Neal. But Thibodeau's come on recently. He started the year slow as a pass rusher. He had an MCL injury at the end of the preseason, which kept him out the first couple of games. And he's had some really big sacks and important sacks. Uh, he had a big strip of uh, Taylor Heineke in that big win against Washington um, after they lost to the Eagles on December 18th. Uh, and he's had a couple free run opportunities too. You know, Wig Martinsdale's defense, you know how he does it, Dave. You know, he'll simulate blitzes from one at one side and bring pressure from the other side. And he's had a couple situations where he's been completely unblocked getting to the quarterback like he had last week when he knocked Nick Foles out of that game. So, um, he's been a big guy in the pass rush. Uh, they'll need him this week because I think Aziz Ojalari, he only played seven snaps last week. He's kind of dealing with a bit of an ankle. My guess is this game doesn't mean much for the Giants. He's probably not going to play a ton this week, if at all. Um, just because they're going to try to want to get him healthy for the playoffs. The Giants are, you know, locked into that sixth spot. And then Evan Neal, who, you know, he had an MCL in the middle of the year. He came back, but he does not look the same. And he's had a lot of struggles over the course um, of the last month or so. You know, in that Eagle game, he struggled with Hassan Reddick. He struggled with Brandon Graham. Um, he had some issues with Daniel Hunter against the Minnesota Vikings as well. So, that's something the Giants are keeping an eye on. We'll see if they, you know, he has an injury report, but, uh, you know, he doesn't seem to be moving the right way. So we'll see if he gets Evan Neal the week off this week, too. Um, I don't know if they will or not if Troy and the week to know that for sure. Um, but he's also been, you know, I think they believe, despite the struggles at the end of the year, that he's going to be a long-term piece at right tackle to complement Andrew Thomas, who's had a Pro Bowl caliber year on the left side. I guess that leads into the question everybody's asking. How will and I know we're talking early in the week here. Do you have any sense of how the Giants are going to play this thing on Sunday? Yeah, here comes an answer that's not very helpful to you. I don't know. Um, you know, we haven't seen Brian Dable put in this situation before. And I think there are two ways to look at this, right? One, he has preached all year. Every game is important. You want to compete and you want to win every game that you play. So that makes me think, all right, maybe they're going to play guys. Um, and I think that would be consistent with the message he has sent the team all week. I do think they're going to the rest of the rest of the guys that have been banged up this year. Like Leonard Williams isn't dealing with a burner. He's probably not going to play. Um, uh, what I mentioned before, uh, Aziz Ojolari probably not going to be with that ankle. We'll see about Evan Neal. You know, Adoree Jackson's an interesting case. He's been out with a knee injury for almost six weeks now with an MCL. He was a game-time decision last week, so he should be good to go this week. My guess is he'll get some snaps just to try to get his feet wet and get back into the mix a little bit so he's ready for the postseason. The bigger questions are guys that are healthy, right, but are really important. You don't want to get hurt. Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Dexter Lawrence, Julian Love, Andrew Thomas. Are those guys that they're going to rest? He has not given any indication either way that he's going to. My guess is that they will play. How much they're going to play, I don't know. And I'm not even sure if Brian Dable knows yet, to be quite honest with you. The players, you know, he gave the players off until Wednesday um, after the game on Sunday. So we'll have a better idea here later in the week. I know this doesn't matter for Sunday, but how do you feel about this football team going into the postseason? Um, do you have a team that you think is best suited to play the Giants? Yeah, I, I look, I think if, if, if I'm trying to pinpoint the matchup that gives the Giants the best chance to get out of the first round, I think it's the Vikings. You know, the Giants played them in Minnesota two weeks ago. It was a tie game, like I said, until the Vikings did a 61-yard field goal in the final drive. You know, the Vikings' pass defense is a mess. 
Uh, the Giants are able to move the ball up and down the field against them better than they have against any other team all year. And I think that's probably the best matchup. San Francisco, to me, with their defense and pass rush, that's a dangerous situation. And those are really the only two teams the Giants can realistically play in the first round in the playoffs. So uh, if I was, if I could cherry-pick the team I want to play, I'd want to pick the Vikings. I still think that's a tough game. The Vikings are a good team. But I think the Giants have a better chance against them than they would the Packers. I mean, the uh, 49ers, part of me. And then finally, John, 48-22 the first time around. Eagles and Giants, obviously not the best of friends, um, <laughs> even though even though you and I like each other. Um, any sense of, like, does that come into play at all in this game? Is that just kind of retribution for what happened a, a few weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question, Dave. Um, you want to win your division games, and the Giants have one win in the NFC East this year. That's against Washington, and they have a tie against Washington in the NFC East. And trust me, the Giants are not pleased with how that first game went. I think they felt like they, frankly, got shellacked, because they did. Um, and I think they would love to go out there and put a better performance on, which is why I do think more more guys than not will play in this game. I do think that's part of it. Um, and I do think there's, you know, you go back to 2007, the Giants played that Week 17 game against the Patriots, and they carried that momentum to a Super Bowl. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen this year, but I think there is something to be said that if you go, you know, head-to-head and punch-for-punch against one of the most talented teams in the league like the Eagles in the final week, that will give you some momentum and confidence heading into the playoffs. So is that a factor? Yeah, I think, yeah, a little bit. And look, and we know if you get into the playoffs, you have a chance. Anything yep. can happen, right? And you don't go and think, hey, we're, this, we're, this is great. We made the playoffs. What a great season. No, you want to go in there and win. Yeah, Brian Dale was very clear about that, that the playoffs are a goal. It is not the goal. It's the first goal. And then you got to do something once you get in. So I think that, that's the other part of the equation, right? So you want to make sure you position yourself best of the postseason. That makes no sense. Maybe they will rest people then. So, again, we've never seen Brian Dale do this before, Dave, so I don't think we have a great feel for exactly how this thing's going to go down yet. It's time for this week's Extra Point. Former Eagles defensive end Javon Curse will be in the house on Sunday, and he's here to talk about it. The Eagles and the Giants, Week 18 at Lincoln Financial Field, and our honorary captain and our Microsoft Teams Legend of the Week joins me. The great Devon Kirst, defensive end, Eagles defensive end, 2001, or rather 2004-2007. Uh, Javon, you're looking good. Good to see you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, um, hey, listen, uh, listen we, we know that we are now um, about to get into the playoffs. 2004, Eagles were the number one seed. Take me back to that time. What was the mindset? Um, uh, that was a team 13 and one. You know, you rest everybody 13 and three going into yeah. the playoffs. You just thought you were going to go in there and, and, as you did, beat up on teams. We just, we just wanted, to, we just wanted to go in and just not beat ourselves because, like, we just felt like that year, like we just, we had a hell of a team both sides of the ball, despite an engine, one person's injury late in the season, which, <laughs> which went through the playoffs. Outside of that, right there, I mean, we just was hoping to just go into the playoffs healthy and to keep the run that we had alive. Wait, are the playoffs, Javon? Are they different than regular season games? Yes, the playoffs are like the, the playoffs is a whole season in its own. Literally, like through the season, we tell ourselves preseason, preseason and training camp is a is a season in its own. 
then we have the season itself, and then the, the playoffs is one game season. So like those are like or short seasons, but more 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 intense seasons right there. So each playoff game is like one season in itself. So you win that one season and make it to the next season. You came into the league in 1999, first round draft pick, Tennessee Titans. You learned that playoff lesson early in your career, didn't you? That that it is a a very long season, and b you got to take it to another level in the postseason. Correct, correct. Like each, like I said, each level. Like you go from you go from preseason to regular season to the playoffs. Each, each it's levels to this thing. Each time it's it's a higher level. So you got to be willing. You got to be willing and able to step your play up. And then on top of that, you got to have some some guys behind you who's ready to do that same thing. Who are kind of like well rested because they you know because of the it's, it's the playoffs now. Was the mindset? I know you have to take your play to another level, but was your preparation different or? Your mindset different going into the playoffs? I would say your mindset is very differently. Like your your mindset, personally, I think is is is, is more mental. Is more mental than it's kind of mental and physical. But as far as the physical part, hopefully your body's healthy enough because at the end of the season, everybody's body's beat up. It's a matter of you getting your body back ready to go. But as far as the mentality of it. You just got to go in and knowing that it's nothing, not a lot of new things that you can do because everyone's seen every game you played preseason during the 16, 17 season games. So everyone sees what like your, your everything that you're going to do, just a matter of going out and doing it and executing it. So you don't like invent a new move or, or anything like that. You don't bring a new, uh, a new wrinkle to the table. Ain't no been no no new moves at, at that time. <laughs> it's just everything that you put everything on tape. You should put have put everything on tape by that point. There's just a matter of just going out and then just just doing it like like a second nature. Freak, you were the one of the great pass rushers in your time in the NFL. Um, what were for fans who don't quite what were your signature moves? I mean, I'm built for speed, baby. I know. So I would say my signature move was my get off. Me, me watching, me um watching film that week. Me watching my cues. Me knowing like when to get off the quarterback's cadence, the different stances the offensive tackle has, the different stances the tight ends have, or the running backs when I see they're coming to chip me and whatnot. So it's um a, a lot goes into that, but me, my speed, that's my God-given thing, and then I work everything off speed. So if I get up on the ball and show you speed, now I got the, the offensive tackle thing about retreating, and at that point there, I got to decide if I'm going to keep doing the speed thing or turn the speed to power or turn the speed to an inside move, which which I did all those. So my, my bread and butter was speed getting up on the outside, and if the and then I would just count like I would pick a spot, a spot like two by two or one and a half by one and a half feet, like um to the outside in the back of the offensive tackle, and I aim at that point there. And if someone's at that point, I got to do something different then. But if he's at that point, then he's not going to be as strong because he's he's sprinting to get there. Yeah, you got the advantage for sure. Hey, uh, on Sunday the Eagles know that a win or a tie against the Giants clinches home field advantage in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. You guys had it in 2004. Everybody came through Lincoln Financial Field. Was it a home field advantage for you? Heck yeah. It <laughs> definitely was a home field advantage. I mean, outside the fans and the noise, because that's what I used to like. I used to eat off that right there. Whatever. Whenever I'm playing at home, when our fans are making noise for their offense, like, like when our fans are making noise for our defense and making it hard for their offense to hear, then that right there is like that's our time to, to, to get to the quarterback because now the offensive line don't really look like they can't like listen. Now they got to do everything off sight. 
And then that's when, as a, as a defense, a defensive line, like we're able to eat more of them because then now they're like, it's kind of like an even field at that point. Hey, the, the, the feeling that you had, tell me what it was like winning the NFC Championship game, confetti flying down. <laughs> there was all that snowfall before the game. Um, what was the feeling like? Man, it was a warm feeling. Mind you, the blizzard came through, came through Philadelphia maybe a couple days before and just dumped out a bunch of snow and everything. It was a warm feeling, man. No matter how cold it was out on the field, it was a warm feeling going out, going out and, and beating the Atlanta Falcons, a, a really good Atlanta Falcons team with a, with, with a Michael Vick and an Algie Crumpler. I do remember that right there. Yes, so, you do. Good. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so going out. And being a team, uh, going out and being a team like that in the in the in the NFC Championship game was big. And then, like I said, like it was, it was a tough game, a cold game. But like um, everybody showed up to play on both sides of the ball, and that's what they're going to have to do again. Hey, it's kind of crazy. Three teams in the NFC East have made the playoffs this week. It's the Eagles and the Giants. Do you have? Was the NFC East a special? Was a special place? Were those games intense? Were those games great rivalries? They were, they were because like usually like one uh, like one team kind of you know who like who they, what other team they hate most as far as from the fans. Yes, of course. But wearing that Eagles green, I don't know who they hate worse. It doesn't matter. It's who's ever on the schedule the next week. That's who's going to be the most hated. But of course, you know like the 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 division rivalries, the Cowboys, the Giants, Skins. They all just it's just a different a different level of hate each week. <laughs> Hey, Freak, you're going to come out, and the fans are going to see you. They're going to cheer for you. You're going to get on the field. They're going to hear your name. They're going to cheer for you. Do you get goosebumps still when you hear the crowd? Heck, yeah. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's going to be cold out there, but just that feel, like that feel, that noise, the Lincoln Financial is just those, those fans are, are just so electric, and you're going to hear it, and you're going to know it if you're, if you're from the opposing team, and it's going to be a very hostile environment. So it's gonna, I'm looking forward for a good competition. Javon, you're looking good. Uh, how is life for you? Um, happy 2023. Everything going well with you? Everything's going great. I mean, I'm, I'm keeping myself busy. I'm, I've been working on my golf game a little bit. I actually played in a in a, in a charity tournament with Donovan uh, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. I had a chance to catch up with, with Donovan, which is good. I always love catching up with all of my former guys. Um, I played in uh, played in Brian Dawkins' charity event. And I, so, you know, um, on a part three, I, I won closest to the hole as well. <laughs> Congratulations. I worked on this. So, no, but I'm I'm just enjoying life then just trying to continue, like, to stay involved with, with all of my former teams and try to do whatever I can to try to loan a, a little bit of knowledge to some of these, these young kids coming up right now. Well, that begs the question, what is the Javon Curse golf game like? How would you describe your golf game right now? Right now, it's... It's evolving. <laughs> it, it, it's evolving. It, it, it's an evolution out there, man. And some days the evolution, some days the evolution don't work or whatever. So it's continually evolving. But I, I, I just try to remember to have fun whenever I'm out there. I'm also in in the bowling league, so I'm just trying to just trying to stay a little active. But it's not as active as I did that football stuff. But it is active enough to where I. I I'm, I'm move around enough. I feel like in two years you're going to be playing pickleball, freak. I mean, I'm not sure what. I don't know if Eagles fans can handle that. 
<laughs> I, I do have a few buddies who are big in pickleball. Actually, a close friend of mine from Fort Myers is ranked nationally in top in the top ten. So he's going to get me out there sooner or later. Love it. Hey, great to see you, Javon Kurse, our honorary captain this weekend, and our Microsoft Teams Legend of the Week. Can't wait to see you on Sunday. I know you think it's going to be cold. It's going to be nice and warm with a lot yeah. on the line for the Philadelphia Eagles. Javon, thanks so much for your time. Let's go, Eagles. Let's go, baby. Thanks for having me on. And that will do it for this episode of the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. Thank you so much for joining me each and every episode. Peter Kelly, great job putting it together. Uh, Kira Mahoney, also thank you for your help. Ray Doyle, the Eagles Media Relations team, as always, thank you, thank you, thank you. And the players, we thank you so much for your time, energy, and focus here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. We hope you join us. After the 425 game, we'll have our instant reaction Eagles Insider podcast. Always a winner. It is the hot, raw emotion from the locker room. And, of course, this game, there's going to be a lot of emotion. A win secures the number one seed. A tie secures the number one seed. A loss combined with a Dallas win or, or, geez, a San Francisco win? We don't want to think about it. All right, that's it. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks for joining, everyone. Big one for the Eagles. Let's get some mojo going here. Thank you for joining, everyone. Have yourselves a great Eagles day. Fly, Eagles, fly, and go, Birds! E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles!